Tēnā koutou katoa and hello everybody. Welcome to the Lean to Intervention Podcast. My name is Ben Adelberg and I'm coming to you from Tamaki Makara, Auckland. Tēnā kamihi ke te mana whenua o Aotearoa and we acknowledge the local tribal authorities of New Zealand. And for our listeners in Australia, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. Welcome back, 2023, season four, episode one. And whilst I may have used this term previously, I really am fizzing for the chat we're about to have. Dr. Michael Greger, a very warm welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So excited to be on. Uh, now, to our listeners, very quickly, don't panic. Emma's still very much a part of the show, but unfortunately, due to the short turnaround with this opportunity, she could not make it. Now, Dr. Greger, to start off, you're a speaker at Australia's Australasia's actually only whole food plant-based nutrition conference hosted by Doctors for Nutrition mid-February. Now, even though you're only dialing in, that's still an incredibly long way from home. So why this conference? What's the appeal? Oh, I'm a huge fan of Doctors for Nutrition. I've been desperate to, uh, to, uh, to come out there in person for so long. One of these days I will do it. There are now laptops in the market with a battery power long enough for me to, 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 to keep me going the entire flight. So I, we were finally there. Um, uh, so, uh, so hopefully I'll be uh, there in person one day, but excited to help out any way I can to support such wonderful, um, healthy nutrition advocacy going on in Australasia. Thank you. Now, we certainly don't want any spoilers as we want many of our listeners to attend the conference, whether it be in person or virtually, but your presentation will be on weight loss. Uh, a topic that is becoming increasingly more prevalent in a society with increasing numbers of overweight, obesity. Could you please provide our listeners with, with an overview of what you'll be covering? Well, you know, with so much uh, nutritional noise and nonsense uh, these days, I just wanted there to finally be, you know, really an evidence-based um, diet resource. And so uh, I wrote a book, How Not to Diet, cite literally thousands of studies digging up every possible you know, tip, trick, tweak technique proven to accelerate the loss of body fat, to give people every possible advantage, and basically build the optimal weight loss solution from the ground up. So this talk I'll be giving is actually based on that book and uh, give some highlights and encourage people to uh, attend and check it out. Okay. Now, you know, when it comes to weight loss, you know, let's let's talk about one or two little things about this just high level. Uh, could you please explain the difference between subcutaneous uh, fat and visceral fat? So basically for our listeners, the fat under the skin versus fat in our organs, because this is quite important when choosing a weight loss method, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. So the superficial jiggly fat that you see in a mirror under your arms, on your abdomen, that is actually the benign fat. That is not the metabolically dangerous fat. It's the visceral fat, particularly the, the deep abdominal fat. So this is under your abdominal musculature, infiltrating um, and wrapping around your internal organs. So the fat in your liver, for example, that would be visceral fat. And that is the fat um, that's most dangerous in terms of uh, increasing inflammation and your cholesterol and triglycerides and insulin resistance, the 
Um, so, uh, you know, uh, contributing to the causes of all the leading killers like heart disease and type 2 diabetes. And so that's why it's critical to uh, eliminate that visceral fat. So you can do, for example, liposuctions. You can do massive liposuction surgeries where you can take, you know, 20 pounds of fat off of people. And this is, it was actually done as an experiment. Um, and you see no metabolic benefits. Why? Because you're taking that, that superficial fat. That's you get this cannula underneath the skin and you suck around uh, for fat, but you can't actually get deeper inside. So you can, now, if you lost 20 pounds of actual fat, um, uh, which your body actually prioritizes the loss of visceral fat because it's the most dangerous, you would see all sorts of metabolic benefits. You don't get that with liposuction. So we don't worry about the superficial fat as much as the visceral fat. Um, uh, but, uh, and so that's one of the reasons why um, a diet centered around whole plant foods um, is so important because it, um, it's been shown uh, with these nice uh, CT scan slice studies um, to target visceral fat and significantly reduce it within a matter of weeks. So you've pretty much given our, our listeners a bit of a spoiler alert. It's diet. Diet is what plays a key, uh, you know, a, a, an effective and safe weight loss sort of approach. Now, I do have your book here, The How Not to Diet. Um, highly recommend a lot of people to get it. Now, you specifically state in there, quote, new, uh, this approach is not new snake oil diet, now with added tricky pixie dust. Um, you do have a long list of recommendations and you certainly go into great detail. So a book well worth reading and you're clearly going to cover a lot of this in your presentation. But if you would advise just two or three approaches, what would be the key focus when taking on that whole food plant-based approach? Oh, well, I mean, oh, well, I mean, that, that that's really the, the critical piece. And in fact, where was the critical research done? It was actually done in New Zealand. New Zealand researchers um, did the, uh, the BOLD study, um, which was the most effective weight loss intervention ever published in the peer-reviewed medical journal. Um, uh, this was, uh, that didn't uh, require, that have enforced exercise or restrict portions. So people can eat as much as they want um, without, uh, without added exercise. No other diet on the planet um, was able to uh, reduce uh, um, uh, uh, body fat as much as a whole food plant-based diet. What do I mean by that? I mean a diet that minimizes the intake of meat, eggs, dairy, and junk and maximizes the intake of fruits and vegetables and whole grains, legumes, or beans, peas, chickpeas, and lentils, uh, nuts and seeds, herbs and spices, mushrooms, basically real food that grows out of the ground. These are our healthiest choices and also the choices that will best enable us to control our weight. That's right. So the broad study you make reference to, Dr. Luke Wilson being one of the co-publishers, we have actually interviewed him. He was actually our very first guest way back when we started with this podcast. And uh, we can, you know, our listeners can certainly go back and listen to that episode in a little bit more detail. Now, lifestyle is still, in general, an important component of, uh, of well-being. You're on your treadmill right now. You're moving. Being physically active is important. Um, the leading cause of death here in both New Zealand and Australia, and indeed globally, uh, is, is heart disease. And you often remind us that our leading cause of death can be reversed with diet and lifestyle changes alone. So you've already spoken a little bit about the diet, but in, when it comes to lifestyle measures, what else would you consider important? 
Well, so I mean, the seminal study in this area is the Lifestyle Heart Trial, published in 1990 in a journal called The Lancet by Dr. Dean Ornish and colleagues. And he used this whole food, plant-based diet and lifestyle uh, approach. So included exercise, but it turns out the control group didn't exercise any less than the group that was told to exercise. Um, so exercise wasn't a component and also did a um, uh, kind of a, a stress reduction uh, component as well. Um, and so the question is, well, what role might that have played? Subsequent research done by Dr. Caldwell Osselston out of the Cleveland Clinic suggests that it was just the diet. So he didn't do um, the exercise component, the, 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 the you know, stress reduction component, just did the whole food plant-based diet, a low-fat whole food plant-based diet, and was able to get the same kind of remarkable um, uh, reversal, opening up arteries without drugs, without surgery, just this plant-based um, diet. And so it really does seem to be the food. Um, and that's because, I mean, it should become no to surprise, but what you're doing is you're decreasing your intake of saturated fat, dietary cholesterol, trans fats, which is what increases your LDL cholesterol, which is a primary risk factor for cardiovascular disease. And you're also cutting down your sodium intake by cutting out um, or reducing processed foods, which is critically important, not only for heart health and brain health, but uh, kidney health as well. Okay, so let's pivot a little bit back to the diet component. Um, you, in your first book, which I also have here, How Not to Die, um, you make very popular the concept of your daily dozen um now of course when adopting whole food plant-based way of eating that's a great starting point it's a checklist but how important could that also be for those that choose not to completely abstain from animal-based products so in terms of making the start of important changes that daily doesn't really uh, doesn't really still does stand, doesn't it? It's still oh, it's absolutely still. right. So it's just a, a way to encourage people to include some of the healthiest of healthy foods in their diet, regardless of what they're eating the other the rest of the time. Now, the hope is at the end of the day, the healthier choices will kind of crowd out some of the less healthy choices. But if all you did was just add some of these really healthy foods to your diet and not take away anything. Um, uh, you would uh, you would uh, significantly benefit absolutely. So really, the key message here is it's not necessarily about what you're removing; it's what you're including in your diet. Both very important, but and that really brings the point of you know we're not talking about a vegetarian diet, a vegan diet. These, I mean, as a physician, what those terms mean to me is what you're not eating. That just tells me what you're not eating. Are you actually eating vegetables? I mean, you can imagine eating a terrible diet of Coca Cola and potato chips or something. Oh, vegan, but you're not actually getting healthy foods. Um, into your diet. And so that's why I prefer this whole food plant-based diet. Oh, you're actually eating real food. I mean, that's a, a, as a medical professional, it's more informative uh, to me. So yeah, that's a, that's a critically important uh, factor. It's not just about what you're removing from your diet, but also the foods that you're eating. Everything we put in our mouth has an opportunity cost. Everything we put in our mouth is a lost opportunity, but something even healthier in our mouth. So, I mean, it can even come down to something like, you know, uh, you know, you know, every bite of a banana is one less bite of blueberries. Are bananas good for you? Of course, but blueberries are better. So if you got to put one thing on your oatmeal and you have the you know, access to some blueberries, that would be better. We can all, you know, kind of ratchet up the quality of our diets by making healthier choices. You have previously said that the most ethical diet just so happens to be the most environmentally sound diet and just so happens to be the healthiest. 
Now, this is such a poignant statement for us here at the Lentil Intervention, as we regularly remind our listeners that our personal health is inextricably linked to the health of our planet. Now, do you personally see this angle perhaps being even more relevant now in terms of the climate crisis that we're in, and perhaps a way of engaging even more people to adopting a whole food plant-based way of eating? Because, you know, for many, if I'm not unhealthy, why should I change what I'm eating? I'm fine. Look at me. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not overweight and until it happens and then someone's forced to make that change. So, you know, the environmental aspects, I mean, that's, that's quite relevant now. You know, I think uh, particularly for the youth, you know, so when I give talks to young audiences, you know, they don't, you know, they, their eyes kind of glaze, glaze over when I talk about heart disease, even something like breast cancer. And so for them, you know, I'm talking about, you know, eating to reduce acne or increase athletic performance or, you know, some of the things that they kind of care more about. Um, but, you know, many young folks these days, what really drives them to improve their diet is concern for the climate or for, you know, the polluting activities of animal ag or for um, animal welfare, some of these other reasons. Um, and so look, as a physician, I don't care how people get there. You know, I don't care if people think that, you know, Martians are beaming, you know, messages to say, eat your kale, I, whatever gets you gets you there, I'm down. Um, and, you know, whatever message will, you know, bring people in to, uh, to, you know, get healthier in the end, the, you know, but, you know, with the with the caveat that, you know, people that just do it, over concerns about animals, maybe going for that vegan junk food. So that if switching from v, from regular donuts to vegan donuts is really not going to do your body much good. Um, and so if you even if you just care about animals, guess what? You're an animal. Take care of yourself and eat healthy um, so you can live a long, healthy life and help lots of, help lots of others. Speaking of a long, healthy life, how not to age? the title of your next book. Now, I can't hold that up because that's not yet available, but apparently I believe near the end of this year. Now, that title, is that a tease or can we forever stay young? Uh, what can we expect from this book? Um, uh, really excited to be out, at least here in the States, December 5th. Um, and so it's on all the, the new longevity research. Um, so it'll be very similar to, you know, like, so for example, how not to die it was just, you know, 15 chapters each of the 15 leading causes of death, talk about the world diet, they plan preventing, arresting, reversing. Here, I start out um, with the various pathways of aging um, and talk about what role diet uh, may play in, 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 in kind of turning back the clock. Um, I talk about the healthiest diets in the world, the centenarians, people live over 100, talk about the blue zones. Um, uh, you know, go through all the best foods, the worst foods, um, and, you know, end up with a, with an anti-aging eight, which is kind of the equivalent of the daily dozen, um, uh, encouraging people to, to choose specific foods that have found to be particularly effective for, uh, slowing down the aging process. Well, I was going to ask about a new list, a new daily dozen, but it's a new daily eight. So, uh, I'm certainly looking forward yeah, well, to so the overview. Right, it's the anti-aging eight right now. Could go nine, could go seven. We're, 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 we're just finalizing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great because I've seen some foods that you've mentioned in that overview and I'm thinking, oh gosh, here we go. This list is just, this is getting longer. But um, you mentioned that, you know, you studied uh, popular studies where centenarians live, 
Blue Zones is a very popular one. We make reference of that on our show quite frequently. Uh, but one question on that is, what are some of the most important lessons when re researching regions like that? Because, for instance, a misconception when people say Mediterranean diet, it's all about the olive oil. When people mm -hmm. are actually missing the point, it, actually, no, it's more about fresh produce. On. So when studying something like the Blue Zones, what are some of the key lessons, actually, that we perhaps do miss? Bigger picture. Yeah, well, uh, one of the primary ones is there's only one Blue Zone left. Um, so when we talk about blue zones, whether I can, uh, Okinawa or um, in Costa Rica or the Mediterranean, we're talking about, well, a half century ago, um, these were really healthy places, but now they've westernized their diets. Mm -hmm. um, and now uh, Okinawa went from the healthiest um, uh, part of Japan to now has the most obesity, as uh, you know, and you, now it's just filled with fast food restaurants like the rest of the world. Uh, there's only one blue zone that actually still exists to this day. Um, and that's the uh, Adventus in uh, Loma Linda, California, right? And it's interesting. It's the only blue zone that is not geographically separated. All the other ones are islands or in the case of Costa Rica, uh, a kind of a peninsula that's very difficult to get to. So they, it's not that they ate healthy on purpose. They couldn't get the sugar. They couldn't get the salt. They couldn't get the tobacco. They couldn't get uh, until like, oh my God, we got to grow all our food. Um, and so, you know, we love junk food, but there's no junk food. Okay. But it's in, but so Loma Linda, so the Adventists are the only ones that are still doing it to this day. And the only ones that are not geographically isolated. So they've grown up in the modern world, surrounded by the, the glut of terrible food and able to maintain this remarkable health and longevity into old age. And what's their secret? Well, they have this um, they have a religious understanding that our body is our temple and that we should treat it well. Um, and so they have healthy behaviors like plant-based diets. Um, and so they're able to maintain that. And so it shows that it's possible. Um, we don't have to go back to some kind of ancient way of eating. Um, and it's possible to exist in the modern world and be healthy, have some of the best public health statistics on the planet earth. And so that is really uh, the model that I came to um, uh, in, in doing the Blue Zones work. Now, we can't have a chat and not talk about something that, in my opinion, I think makes a tremendous impact to a lot of communities, and that is nutritionfacts.org, a non-for-profit, science-based public service that you founded in 2003 and subsequently uh, launched the website that many of us subscribed to in 2011, which provides many free daily videos and articles on the latest research in nutrition. Dr. Gregor, tell us more about this phenomenal and extremely valuable public resource and your motivation behind it. Oh, that's super sweet. Uh, yeah, nonprofit science-based uh, public service, free daily updates, um, and it really all came about because of my grandmother. Um, uh, you know, I talk, I talk about, I start the book, How Not to Die with her story. Um, uh, I was just a kid when she was sent home, uh, basically to die with end stage heart disease. I already had so many bypass surgeries and basically run out of plumbing at some point, can find a wheelchair, crushing chest pain. Her life was over at age 65. But then she heard about this guy, Nathan Pritikin, one of our early lifestyle medicine pioneers. And what happened next is actually detailed in Pritikin's biography. He talks about Francis Greger, my grandmother. Uh, they wheeled her in and she walked out, um, though she was given a medical death sentence at age 65, thanks to a healthy diet 
was able to enjoy another 31 years on this planet till age 96 to continue to enjoy her, her six grandkids, including me. So that's why I started nutritionfacts.org. That's why I, you know, went into medicine, went into lifestyle medicine, why I wrote How Not to Die, why all the proceeds from all my books are donated directly to charity. I just want to do for everyone's family what Pritikin did for my family. Now, could you please elaborate on the immense research that is actually undertaken for each video and article that you publish? Because the world of nutrition is interpreted in so many ways. It is easy to critique various approaches, but you have a team that scours scientific mm-hmm. literature. You cut through the hype. You even update your resources if there's new research and you say, you know what? That's no longer it. You are current, you are following the science, but just explain that because it's so easy to critique that, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's we can do it because we have this huge volunteer base. Um, we have about 100 active volunteers at any one time. And so although there is an intimidating amount of new research coming out, um, we are we're able to cover it. So my the latest book, you know, How Not to Age has over 12,000 citations. Now this book is way too long. Um, it has to be cut down. Um, it's about 1,400 pages, need to be 600 pages for the publisher. Um, so there's a lot of cutting that needs to be done. Um, but don't worry, all that material will be turned into videos. It just won't make it into kind of the final copy of the book, but just gives you a sense of the, just the tremendous um, uh, amount of research that, uh, that goes into that. Um, yeah, I mean it's uh, and but it's a it's a team effort. You know, we have a you know full time fact checker that goes through everything. We have you know, I mean it's 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 a huge it's a huge endeavor. But you know, we're talking about life and death decisions. What we feed ourselves and our family are some of the most important decisions we can make in our lives. And so, if there's anything to be based based on the best available balance of evidence, then it should be that kind of decision. And so. You know, we're we're not interested in people's opinions or, you know, uh, or people's dogma. It's like, well, what does the science say right now um, to guide people to make kind of these practical day to day grocery store type decisions? And so that's what that's what we aim to do. This is the resource I wish I had as a medical student. You know, if a patient came to me, um, you know, with type two diabetes, wanted to know what to eat. I wanted to know. And you go online. It's just this morass of craziness i mean we were dealing with the post-truth era in nutrition way before the current political climate way before covid um there's just you know it's uh but you know the but if you actually look at the literature if you look at the peer-reviewed medical literature in nutrition there's really remarkable consistency going back decades uh in terms of what's healthiest uh for the human frame and you know So, for example, the most uncontroversial statement in all of nutrition, eat more fruits and vegetables. What does that mean? Well, we know what fruits are. What are vegetables? Vegetables are every part of the plant that's not the fruit. So there's stem vegetables like rhubarb. There's root vegetables like sweet potatoes. There's flower vegetables like cauliflower. There's leafy vegetables. So it's basically the most uncontroversial thing in all the science of nutrition, eat more plants. Um, And uh, that's uh, that's how we get healthy. Look, for me personally, nutritionfacts.org was an integral enabler to my journey in adopting and advocating as well for a whole food plant-based way of eating since 
about six years ago. So, you oh, know, as fantastic. well as your as well as your first book, How Not to Die. That's why it's so well worn. Um, and I know of so many of our listeners that they themselves make use of your resource in making improvements to their lifestyle. So, thank you. That makes me feel so good. That's why I get up every day, and that's why we do what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Now, look, it's been an absolute privilege and delight in having this short yet entertaining conversation. To our listeners, Dr. Gregor will be one of the leading experts on whole food plant-based eating that will be presenting at the Nutrition and Healthcare Conference hosted by Doctors of Nutrition in Melbourne, 17th to the 19th of February. We'll have the link to register in our show notes. Do have a couple of minutes. I left this out at the beginning because I knew a time constraint, but I do need to give a little background to our wonderful Dr. Gregor. He's a licensed general practitioner specializing in clinical nutrition. He's a graduate of the Cornell University School of Agriculture and Tufts University School of Medicine. He's a founding member and fellow of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, who then in 2017 honored Dr. Gregor with the Lifestyle Medicine Trailblazer Award and became so much here, a diplomat of the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine. Dr. Gregor is the founder, as we've said, of the very popular website, nutritionfacts.org. And you will have come across many of his New York Times bestselling books. We've said already mentioned How Not to Die and How Not to Diet, five books in total with that sixth due to come out very shortly. Dr. Gregor, thank you so much for your time and energy and passion. And we look forward to hearing you at the conference. I can't wait for the conference. Encourage everyone to attend and keep up the good work yourself. Thank you for listening to the Lentil Intervention Podcast. If you found this interesting, make sure you subscribe and share it with your friends. 